We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking 2023 Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions projections on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz, coming with another one of our projections series episodes where we take a look at maybe a baseline projection for a team and some of the players on that team and then talk about what things might look like. Uh, in a really good scenario or in a really bad scenario and some of the levers that would have to be changed or manipulated in order for those outcomes to come to fruition. Uh, looking at two teams here from the NFC North in this episode in Green Bay and Detroit. Uh, appreciate everybody that stopped by and listened to our 300th episode since the show became the RVFF show Dave and Curtis version earlier in the week. And I'm going to use the momentum from that now to talk about something football related, not fantasy football related that I just feel like talking about here. I'm probably going to talk about this for 10 minutes. If you have no interest in getting any college football related thoughts from me, feel free to just skip ahead 10 minutes here. Um, But I want to talk about college football here for a couple of minutes because Prior to getting heavily, heavily, heavily into fantasy football, I was absolutely obsessed with college football. I would say that across my lifetime, college football has been by and large my favorite sport and the one that I followed most closely. This is probably going back to when I was, you know, like nine, 10 years old, even Um, when I was in college and I had the most uh, disposable time, if you will, available to myself. I would make an effort to find a way to record every single game that was available in the Boston market to find a way to record that and then watch all of those games. Uh, Like I I mean that I would start in the morning, watch all of the East coast games. I could go all the way through to any West coast game that was available. Watched a lot of Hawaii games. I had templates that I would put on the TV that would block out 
the different channel scoreboards so that I would not be able to see any of the other scores. And then I would watch like a quarter of one game, then watch the first quarter on the recording that I had of the other game that started in that time slot and things like that. Followed it super closely. But more than anything, um, I was really, really focused on the entire concept of conference realignment kind of before it actually started happening. Because one of the things that I did when I was a kid was I actually started doing like a, (laughs) uh, like based on the stats I could find, like from the paper and stuff, or then eventually online, like working through coming up with basically like a BCS system to rate and score teams using strength of schedule and things like that before the BCS was even in existence. Um, And I think I basically spent like just about every class that I took in college because I never paid attention in class, which was kind of stupid of me. I would just wait till I got home, open up the book, work my way through it, figure it out then. But I would just spend all class because I could I could not pay attention um, working through conference realignment and trying to come up with what would be the actual best way to split up all of the relevant teams in college football and then put together all kinds of different systems to essentially have like a playoff that made sense, that was fair, that was equitable, and that would make the best product. Because I think even back then, there was a lot of, like going back to the point where you had talk about Nebraska uh, leaving the Big 12 or some of the Big 12 schools moving to the Pac-12. I'm trying to remember which schools exactly it was where there was talk about this back when I was in college, but it kind of became clear that at some point we would start to see all of this. Um, and now we're kind of seeing it come to fruition here with the moves that the big 10 has made that the sec has made It's really looking like we're going to finally end up with those two super conferences in a major change in college football. Now, the thing that's really unfortunate about it is I think that there was ways that you could have done or gotten to this inevitable conclusion while still maintaining a lot of that traditional zeitgeist of college football and the pageantry and the historical rivals and a lot of the things that make it so fantastic for people that really love the sport. Uh, So it's in some regards too bad that things are going to have to go the way that they are. um, And that there couldn't have been some forethought really put into how this could work across the entire sport. Um, not to say that it's going to be all bad when we eventually maybe get to this, this two super conference system. Um, it's going to be an entirely new thing. And I think it's going to be great. Um, and I don't really know where I'm going with this other than watching this whole thing play out has been absolutely fascinating. Uh, given the amount of time that this whole concept was occupying in my brain. Um, I would have liked to have seen it happen in a way that made more sense regionally. It also really sucks for people that uh, have gone to schools that are playing sports other than football and the implications this is going to have on them. Um, But nonetheless, really fascinating stuff. I wish that I could dig up some of the notebooks I have to see. I had come up with a couple of like really good systems and there was one really interesting one that had points in the season where you would play games that would specifically that were specifically set up to have implications on making it to the final push in the playoff type system. All right, 
that's my 10 minutes. Um, I have more thoughts, but I'm just going to cut them there. Um, this will probably be the only time I go on a college football diatribe on here. That said, I would love to somehow find the time to be able to talk more college football because I really do love it. But I'm not going to hit a sound effect and we're going to transition back into projections. All right. Caveat here. I am recording a series of episodes tonight that are going to come out between now. I'm recording a number tonight. They're going to come out between now and the start of the season. As a result of that, some of the things that I talk about here might be a little bit stale if there's changes on depth charts. But seeing as we're hitting the main players from a terms in terms of being fantasy relevant, it probably won't matter. Um, obviously, we've had some preliminary depth charts come out at this point. As we see the first couple of preseason games, some things will become more clear uh, that would impact some of this. All right. Let's start in Green Bay. This is now Jordan Love's team. No more Aaron Rodgers. A young cast of wide receivers. Two backs that have been in town for a while. Some young tight ends. Last year, the team went eight and nine. They had a 56 to 44 split in favor of the pass. That's very similar to what they've had for three years running prior. They were around league average and pace last year. Uh, I have them coming in this season around 30 plays below league average. So assuming that the team is maybe a little less strong than it was last year, if strong is the right word, uh, as this feels like a very middling team. Overall, though, I really don't hate Jordan Love in any way, and I actually think that we could see a pretty decent campaign from him in his first year uh, under center in Green Bay. So let's kind of break down some of the expectations for them. Um, I think in terms of running Jordan Love, maybe somewhere around 10 to 11% of the rushing, um, which is a, a fairly common type of number for uh, a quarterback. As far as the running split goes, last year, Aaron Jones accounted for 47% of rushing attempts. He was 43 the year prior. Uh, has always played a pretty decent role in the team's offense as a receiver, normally going somewhere between 13 to 15%. I think that this year you see his rushing come in somewhere around 44%, maybe a little bit less involved as a receiver as well, scaling him back to 10% of targets. Some of the reason for this is that uh, I think we are approaching the point with a player like Jones where you're naturally at some point going to see some level of regression for him after playing a number of significant years here. You look at his age and also the fact that you have AJ Dillon there who is a capable back. Uh, so you have Dillon coming in with a rush share of 40%, much less work as a wide receiver, uh, just to put some numbers behind that, his target percentage actually has been uh, at 8% in 2022, 6% in 2021. You assume that maybe this year he gets, I don't know, you call it like 5% of passing attempts. Um, 
And then you're looking at a situation where you have Aaron Jones with around 200 rushing attempts, AJ Dillon at 182, 57 targets for Jones, somewhere between 25 to 30 for AJ Dillon. Um, They have been able to be efficient as rushers. I have both of them assumed to put up around four and a half yards per carry in this baseline projection, which is pretty significant. Uh, I should note that last year we did see Dylan at just 4.1 yards per carry. We saw Jones at uh, 5.3. He's been well over, uh, or not well over, but he's been at or more than 4.5 going back to 2019. Granted, we do have some changes this year, but I think it's fair to assume that they'll be fairly efficient uh, in terms of yards per carry. From a rushing touchdown perspective, though, Uh, Last year, you had just two rushing touchdowns for Jones. He had four the year prior. Uh, A.J. Dillon last year had seven rushing touchdowns, five the year before. Um, Not not being certain that we see this team take a step forward, I have each of these backs at just four rushing touchdowns. I have given them five receiving touchdowns between them with three in the favor of Aaron Jones you get two for AJ Dillon. Perhaps that's a little high. Um, if you look at this point in Dillon's career for receiving touchdowns, um, pretty limited, right? You had for him two in 2021, uh, did not have any prior to that, none in 2022. Um, so that could be slightly overstated, but I think these numbers are, are fairly reasonable. What this makes them land on as running backs compared to other players, you have Aaron Jones coming in at RB20, and you have A.J. Dillon coming in at RB33. So I would be expecting probably somewhere between a finish uh, for Jones of like running back, 16, 17, maybe up to like running back 24. Uh, And then Dylan looks to me like a pretty solid RB three levers that you could adjust here. That would change things for them. You could maybe get a case where Aaron Jones bumps his way up to a rushing share of 48%. Let's give him a little bit of a bump in terms of receiving work and get him to 13% targets in that scenario. You end up with Jones finishing as the RB12. I think that's a pretty aggressive increase, though. Um, Whereas if you put him at something like a rush share of 46%, and maybe you only take the target percentage up to maybe like 11.5, if you make those adjustments, Aaron Jones comes in... Still at RB13. So if you think that the numbers that I originally presented are a little bit too low and you think that we see a Jones version this year that's more close to what we had the last couple of years, then you're looking at a guy that has somewhat of a chance of finishing as a low-end RB1. Wide receivers. Last year, we had Christian Watson looking like a very solid young wide receiver. And in terms of target share, 
we had Watson recording a target share of 15%, managed to put up seven receiving touchdowns, went for almost 15 yards per reception, had a very high receiving touchdown percentage. Uh, I view him this year as the wide receiver and one by a pretty favorable target margin, giving him a 23% target share. Have the other young wide receiver in Dobbs at 17. Jaden Reed does look like he's going to get mixed in there this year, keeping things fairly conservative, only have him in an 11% share. And then you got Dontavian Wicks, uh, maybe somewhere around 10% as well. The tight ends, I don't see factoring in too significantly this year. Between the two tight ends, just a combined target share of 12%. Uh, in terms of touchdown rates for Watson in this group, they're all between 6 to 8%, which is a very typical range. Uh, and nothing too crazy in terms of the efficiency you have in this scenario, Watson finishing um, as the wide receiver 24 uh, with Dobbs coming back in the mid fifties and it really looking like those are probably going to be the only two players in this passing game that I would view as being pretty significant from a fantasy perspective as the target share for Musgrave uh, and Tucker Craft is going to be too low um, for them to be significant options or, or very relevant uh, in the tight end landscape. So Christian Watson, let's think about how things could break a little bit, a little bit stronger for him. I have him with a receiving touchdown rate of 7%. Last year was at 17%. Let's say he has a strong connection with Jordan Love uh, and things could get up to a 9% uh, scenario for him. And maybe he gets to a target share of 25%. In that case, we would then see Christian Watson moving up to... That's actually a pretty pretty significant move for him. Uh, let me see if I can find him here quickly. Watson would move up to... Oh, I'm sorry here. I made a mistake when I did that. Uh, you have Watson... Christian Watson. Target share, 25%. Uh, receiving touchdown share. I did the receiving touchdown share incorrectly. Um, all right, so he'd get to eight touchdowns. Now, if you look at Watson, this is a significant move. Gets him up to wide receiver 16. So I would say that for Watson, there's actually a decent amount of upside. Uh, again, if we scale him back to the the 23% target share, I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, and expecting somewhere around seven receiving touchdowns feels pretty reasonable as well. Obviously, things can break down if Jordan Love uh, is to struggle. In the end, though, for him, I have him finishing with a completion percentage around 65%, 23 passing touchdowns, as a rusher adding 200 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And Jordan Love finishes as a QB 19. So I actually think from a super flex perspective, I am really cool with Love being my RB2. Uh, and think that in comparison to some other players, you think somebody like a Jimmy Garoppolo, um, a Kenny Pickett, I would I would rather have Jordan Love. Um, 
And I can confidently say that. All right, I'm going to get Phoebe the dog for one second here, put her in her dog bed, and then we will be back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, let's make our way to Detroit. Now, Detroit this year, uh, I really like Amon Ross St. Brown. I am not the only person. And also following what happens with Jameer Gibbs, I think is one of the things I'm most curious to see as we head into the year. Last year, we had the Lions going 9-8. and eight. In terms of play volume, they were actually 38 plays ahead of league average with a 55 to 45% split between the pass and the rush. I think that this year we see the team be, you know, fairly similar to what it was last year. Um, as a result, still have them above league average, uh, nothing too crazy with 473 rushing attempts, 600 passing attempts. Jared Goff. Uh, not really eating into that rushing workload. As a result, you got a large piece of pie that you can split up between Gibbs and Montgomery. Now, I have Gibbs getting a rushing share of 46%, Montgomery at 41%. I do think that there's a caveat there, though. A lot of the looks that Montgomery gets 
are going to be of a higher quality in terms of them coming in the green zone, probably in situations where he has more of a chance to punch in rushing touchdowns. We're going to have to do some playing here with those rates because at this point, it is hard to kind of project what they're going to do. You look at the draft capital that Detroit spent on Gibbs, and it's hard to imagine that they don't try to make using him a lot a priority. I gave him a 12% target share. Uh, Montgomery, just a 4% target share. I don't expect either of them to be very efficient in terms of yards per carry. Between the two, just 10 rushing touchdowns. Obviously, that is a major scale back from what we saw um, with Jamal Williams last year, uh, who was able to to punch it in often. Um, and it felt like pretty much every time he touched the ball was 17 rushing touchdowns. So you could push back on the rushing touchdown numbers. I think that on a team level, even though this isn't Williams, I think you see some regression there. So in this baseline case here, you have Gibbs with 850 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, 58 receptions, three receiving touchdowns, 435 yards as a receiver. This puts him in at RB 16. Montgomery comes in as the RB 31, thanks to 194 rushes for 776 yards and six rushing touchdowns, 18 receptions, two receiving touchdowns. That might be a number you could quibble with there. Uh, let's talk about if things break well for Gibbs. Let's say you saw him get to a rushing share of 48%, but his bigger pickup comes as a wide receiver where maybe he gets to a target share of 14%. Uh, this would get him up to four receiving touchdowns. He picks up an extra rushing touchdown. In that scenario, you have Gibbs becoming the RB9. So there's a little bit of upside at his ADP. Um, not too much. How things could break worse for him would be if you do see him end up with a target share of maybe 12%, and he's not as prevalent in the rushing game, getting a rushing share of just 40%. In that scenario, we end up with him coming in as the running back 17. So I don't see him as having too much downside in the realm of that range of outcomes that feels like you would expect it. Uh, of course, he's probably a case of a player where if things go wrong for him, they go really, really sideways, especially at his ADP. Now, if things went sideways for Gibbs, what you might have is David Montgomery getting to a rushing share of maybe 52%. Let's give him a target share of 6%, so just an increase of 2%. And then you have Montgomery with seven rushing touchdowns, almost 1,000 yards as a rusher, two receiving touchdowns around 200 yards. That could move Montgomery up to RB. 23. So I think that um, Montgomery is an option I'm somewhat interested in this year, especially if Detroit still operates in a way that allows the team to punch in a lot of rushing touchdowns. Feels like there's a decent amount of upside for him. Um, granted, when we kind of do like a reasonable upside, quote unquote, he only gets up to RB 23. 
But I do think that you you have a number of fairly plausible scenarios where he could even beat that out a little bit. At wide receiver, I have Amon Ross St. Brown coming in with a target share of 26%. In 2022, he had a target share of 28%, recorded six receiving touchdowns. In the end for him, and I have a slight bump um, in terms of yards per reception, fairly similar catch rate. Uh, you end up with around 1,200 yards, eight receiving touchdowns. And this puts him in at wide receiver 11. Perhaps 26 is too low, especially in light of the fact that you have Jamison Williams suspended for six games, and it really should be 28% again for St. Brown. He then finishes as the wide receiver 10, which is kind of interesting. So I think he's priced right. I don't think you have too much room for him to beat where he's coming in. At the same time, though, I don't see a lot of downside for him. Marvin Jones ends up kind of being the wide receiver too there, but I still think when Williamson gets back, it's really going to be a Brown and Williams or Jamison Williams show. As a result, you don't see the wily old veteran in Jones getting too high of a target share. Uh, and as a result of that, I don't think that he becomes particularly relevant this year, maybe finishing somewhere between wide receiver 85 to wide receiver 95. Now, Williams, in the time that he's there, I have with a target share of 15%, solid in terms of yards per reception, getting up to nearly, uh, or getting up to 750 receiving yards, four touchdowns um, across the time that he would be in. Now, that gets him to position of wide receiver 58, but if you look at him across the games that he's in, I think he's a player that becomes a low-end wide receiver too with maybe a little bit of upside. As far as the tight ends go, I know there's a lot of love for Sam Laporta right now, but with what we know about rookie tight ends and the time it takes them to get assimilated into the league, into their offense, I don't have him getting a very significant target percentage as a result for me uh laporta is just a tight end three how much upside is there there you know maybe there's a decent amount but i think there's a lot of tight ends i would be taking ahead of him hopefully that gives some more context there on detroit and the final piece that we should talk about is jared goff now last year jared goff Finishes that nine win campaign for the team with a completion rate of 65%, 29 passing touchdowns, which is pretty nice total, just seven interceptions and 4,438 yards. His production this year ends up with him at 4,280 yards, 26 passing touchdowns. So, where does Goff get a pickup here? Well, he gets a pickup if Detroit scores a similar number of touchdowns and they do tend to shift from rushing touchdowns over to passing touchdowns. Because if you look at this team in totality now, 
I have its touchdown scoring output significantly scaled back to last year. So if you wanted to push back on these numbers for the Lions, I think you could make a case for Goff getting again to 29, 30 receiving touchdowns. Um, I do think though something like 26 feels like a better expectation. Uh, but in that baseline that I have for him, Goff does come in at the QB 17. I would say that he does have the potential this year of finishing as a low end quarterback one. There's the upside for him there. I don't think that the downside is particularly significant um, as you're already accounting for a pretty significant step back in Detroit's total output uh, in terms of scoring compared to what we saw from the team last year. All right. So we talked some uh, college football conference realignment or consolidation, as I've heard it. And we've talked about two uh, two interesting situations with Jordan Love taking over in Green Bay. Jameer Gibbs, that high uh, draft capital running back, making his way into the league in Detroit. There will be one more episode publishing the week that you were listening to this, most likely. And uh, we will hope to talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.